Thank you, Becca. Rebecca was also chucked in it this morning because Tom was also our pianist for the day. So thanks, Bex. <laughs> it was a morning, man. We got up at 5.30, crack of dawn. It was hard. We all drove in and like, yeah, he's not looking too well. <laughs> so he did think about just sneaking in the door, preaching on the stage while away from you all and then sneaking out the door and going home. But we're like, hmm. Might upset a few people if we turned up with COVID, so yeah, <laughs> nod, 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 nod. <laughs> so this is me sucking it up this morning. I was pretty sure I'd never want to preach off Tom's notes because they're always very different to mine, so bear with me this morning. <laughs> I am Sue's preaching off Tom's notes. I had a quick read of it out there before, and it's not looking too bad, so <laughs> we shall be okay. We will be all right. Yes, but um, just, yeah, please pray for the rest of us who um, have been at camp with him all weekend, that it doesn't um, spread. It'd be wonderful. Thank you. Right, let's do this. Man, that guy owes me. (laughs) We're all good. We're all good. So over recent weeks, we've had messages that have dealt with keys for building a solid and active Christian life. Been great keys, eh? Especially last week. Yeah. So, keys about unlocking your message, how to live your faith. Absolutely fantastic message by Ian. If you haven't heard it, jump online. You've got no excuse to miss out on these wonderful messages. They're on our website and they're also still on the Facebook page. So, don't miss out. And then last week, I spoke on unlocking one of the greatest mysteries of our Christian faith, and that was the Trinity. And we, I wouldn't say we unlocked, well, no, maybe. We turned the lock. (laughs) We will keep going on that one. So each of these messages were intentionally and strategically, as we build the next three Sundays of February, where between myself, being Tom, And Amber, we will take three Sundays to speak into the vision and the direction of the church for 2024. So that's the next three Sundays, vision messages, so don't miss any of those. Today's message is just as strategic and intentional. So it's called Unlock the Momentum from Passenger to Participant. From Passenger to Participant, are you ready? Awesome, let's pray. Praying's good. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that you knew who was going to be speaking today. You knew Tom was not going to be here today. And I thank you, God, that you are bigger than everything that happens here on earth and you have a plan. And um, yeah, I'm excited for a great morning this morning, Lord. I thank you for the worship that we've just had. Thank you for the freedom that we have to, to do that, Lord, to come together and to lift your name together and glorify you. God, just... Absolutely amazing that we have that freedom and that privilege, and we thank you for that. We thank you for you. Thank you that you are here. And God, I just pray that as I, as I deliver Tom's word, Lord, that it's been brewing on his heart for a few weeks, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't lose anything because it's not coming from him this morning, but God, I just pray that you would um, go with every word that comes from my mouth this morning, and um, that it would land on hearts, God, that you would do an amazing work in each heart here today. And um, just speak to all of us, Lord, I pray. Help us all to grow. Help us all to hear what you want us to hear this morning. And um, Lord, we pray for healing for Tom. 
as well, who's just who's just not feeling good. So I just pray that this would be um, a very minor dose of COVID, that he would get well very quickly, and I pray for protection over the rest of the campers. Lord, we pray for them now as they're doing church at camp. Sam and Steph are leading worship, Amber's preaching. God, I just pray that you would just fill that place. Lord, there's people out there that aren't part of our camp that have been invited to join. So, Father, I pray that, um, Lord, you would just, your presence would fill the camp today. Fill the camp and touch lives today, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Right. So, if you remember three Sundays ago, Tom spoke into the difference between someone who simply believes and a practicing believer. He taught that confessed belief is good, but this is not a destination. We never arrive. (laughs) Confessed faith is the start point to a life of practice and behavior, and especially so with other believers. We looked at the biblical pattern in Acts 2, 42 and 46, and we read how believers built community where... A, everyone regularly gathered in the temple, today that is here in church. Fellowship was a regular practice, varying numbers in various locations. Fellowship was in the temple, in homes, and where a common interest was. Connect groups, youth, young adults, wherever we meet. And also, prayer happens regularly. We can pray on our own, but the word also says, if two agree. Matthew 18, 19 to 20. Again, connect groups, Wednesday morning pre-meeting, gather together, pray together, agree together. Please note, even gathering is not a destination. Rather, it is a practice, a lifestyle, gathering at locations but in community. So having done that little bit of revision, intentional practicing our faith so that our faith grows and is empowered, there are three key shifts that need to take place. So key shift number one, doctrine to discipline. An essential shift in our Christian life is taking what has been theology and doctrine and activating it into discipleship. Discipleship is a word that describes the journey of spiritual growth. And this happens as we come alongside each other, encouraging and strengthening each other, witnessing to and of each other's faith, praying together, studying the Bible together, and fellowshipping together. Connect groups, connect groups, connect groups. <laughs> connect groups, connect groups, connect groups. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, Just as iron sharpens iron, a person sharpens the character of his friends. Don't we all love being sharpened? <laughs> Growing in the knowledge of our Christian belief, we might describe as growing in our understanding of the theology of God. Now, the academic sound of that word may turn some off. Why do I need to understand theology? Can't I just love God, you might ask. But hang in with me, please. Often, theology is seen as an obstacle to discipleship due to it seemingly being only for a few. So you might not feel like you're academic, so it's not for you. But theology is the foundation of Christian living. The term theology is built from two Greek words, theos, a Greek word which means God, and logos, a Greek word which means word. 
to God and word. So simply translated, theology means words about God or God's word about himself. Is there anything more practical or more important than understanding what God has said about himself? I don't think so. So now we come back to the word doctrine. A doctrine is a set of beliefs, and in our case, those doctrinal beliefs are built from or taken from our Christian theology. So through theology, we gain knowledge, and through doctrine, we establish our beliefs. The question is, what are we doing with that knowledge and belief? Discipleship is the practice of our doctrine. So we hear, we learn, and then we practice. Colossians 1, 28, 29 says, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Sorry, there are no slides this morning, by the way, because Tom's been out having fun at camp and didn't have time for that. <laughs> so you have to pull up the Bible on your phone if you want to follow along. Unless you actually bought a Bible, because I think some people still do, still do that. Some people, anyone bring a Bible? Yeah, some people still actually bring the Bible. Awesome. <laughs> So people like you won't be caught on the hop today when they don't appear on the screen. <laughs> when it comes to discipleship, everyone is being discipled in some way. The next question is, by whom? John 8, 31 to 32 from the message says, Then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will free you. So good theology and good doctrine are good, and they help us to know who God is, who we are, and how we can be faithful. But it's the activating of that knowledge and understanding that grows us into good disciples. So key shift number two is acceptance to activation. The Apostle Paul highlights this in his letter to the Colossians, Colossians 1, 9-10. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to, learn to know God better and better. So for Paul, true disciples are both living and growing, being filled with and increasing in the knowledge of God. And it's in this activation that then and only then we can walk in a manner worthy and pleasing to him. So activating, activated knowledge of God leads to faithfulness and fruitfulness. We cannot be faithful and fruitful to a God that we don't know and we do not accept. So the next indispensable shift is taking what we've accepted as true theology and doctrine 
and activating it into deep discipleship. And this takes the shape of growing a spiritual discipline as habits. Every one of us has deep levels of discipline, even if we don't recognize it. Regular eating. Regular bathing. <laughs> oh gosh, I hope to see more hands than that. <laughs> Going to work. Not missing a flight or a favorite TV program. We all have discipline. We all have habits that we do on a regular basis. That, that's discipline. And we are all formed by what we regularly do. It's quite a scary statement, isn't it? We are all formed by what we regularly do. What are you being formed by? That wasn't in his notes, but I liked that one. The habits we develop shape us into who we are. We are more than just our minds that need to know doctrine. We are whole people who form rhythms and habits that help us live our story. So cool. If we only focus on forming our minds, we rob ourselves of a full life. Don't do that. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says, then, so far as your former way of life is concerned, you must strip off your old nature because your old nature is thoroughly rotted by its deceptive desires. This is the CJB version. Thoroughly rotted by its deceptive desires. And you must let your spirits and minds keep being renewed and clothe yourselves with the new nature created to be godly, which expresses itself in the righteousness and holiness flow from the truth. There are two ways we can grow and shape our habits, through individual repeated behavior. We are what we repeatedly do. This is a quote from Will Durant. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. That makes sense, doesn't it? Another quote from George Washington Carver, 99% of the failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses. Ouch. <laughs> Let's not make that one a habit. The second way that we can grow and shape our habits is through corporate or shared repeated practices. Corporate habits are the habits and rhythms that we do in community, as a whole church or perhaps as a connect group. <laughs> The most obvious weekly habit is gathering for worship. Consistent weekly attendance here at church is an essential characteristic of a healthy disciple. So well done coming here today, guys. Big tick in the box. Both individual or personal and corporate habits are intentional. And they often are established in seasons, such as seasons of study, serving, prayer, giving, or fasting. Spiritual habits are an essential part of your personal discipleship plan. Discipleship plan. Not only should this include developing rhythms for the first two categories of discipleship, Bible intake, reading and study, of theology and doctrine, words and teachings, but it should also include rhythms of prayer, fasting, giving, service, and more. Are you intentional about developing your spiritual habits? Ask yourself that question. 
A most central and a most central and essential spiritual habit is prayer. Like consistent Bible reading, nothing can replace a life of prayer. Jesus taught his disciples, including us, all these years later, including us, how to pray in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to, where's that gone? Um, I'm going to read that out. Some, most of you will know it off by heart, but just in case. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Yeah, this is the NLT. So you probably won't know it in this version. <laughs> so I'll just read it out. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Here you go, I just gave you two extra verses. So I'd like to encourage you to spend some time meditating on that passage. So Matthew 6, 9 to 13, the Lord's Prayer. Spend some time meditating on that one. Pray the Lord's Prayer and make it your own because that is so relevant to all our lives. When you pray for God's kingdom to come, when you ask for your daily bread, as in what you need, when you ask for forgiveness, as in confessing specific sins to God, then commit not to just doing this today, but to a lifetime of prayer. And you'll begin to experience the activation of both the theology and the doctrine that you've learned. And ultimately, the last shift happens as a result of the first two. So the key shift, number three, is passenger to participant. As Tom was sharing his thoughts about this message with a friend during the week, and he spoke to him about really wanting to encourage you guys today about not just being a passenger in this life of faith, but being a participant, this friend of his made the statement, bro, we all need to catch the wave. <laughs> bro talk. Anyway, that wouldn't have been in my notes. And I, I Tom, <laughs> immediately began to think of his friends who are surfers. And Tom's got a wee confession in here. I cannot surf on a board. I have tried and failed, but I'm an avid body surfer. I love to catch the wave and essentially surf it in myself. You can picture that. And I'm sure in his mind, he will be on a surfboard surfing. <laughs> you know what he's like? He'll be visualizing it as he's. So what does this look like? Picture yourself out amongst the waves. You're floating there and you see the water rising, a wave forming. And you think, nice wave. I not only see it, but I understand and believe that it will carry me all the way to the beach. But you just float there with that knowledge and do nothing. The wave comes, it lifts you, it passes, and you drop down again. Nothing has changed. Unless you are floating there and you see the water rising, a wave forming, you turn and you begin to swim in the same direction as the wave. As you feel yourself beginning to lift, 
you swim harder. Your momentum begins to pick up while you're swimming, and suddenly you find yourself going faster than you swim, and you then shape your body or take the stance. Is that how it goes? Is that what Tom would have done? <laughs> take the stance, and the wave literally begins to carry you in. But it doesn't stop there. You have to adjust your balance. You adjust your position to stay with the wave. Otherwise, what happens? <laughs> you fall off. You read the conditions. You follow the surge, and you steer towards the power of the wave. The power of the wave combined with your positioning will carry you further and further. Yes, we need theology and doctrine, but that should be activated into discipleship. Because without this, Matthew 7, 21 to 23, true disciples, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And this is essentially the difference between a passenger and a participant. We might call out our theology and our doctrine, our, our knowledge and our belief, but unless we do the will of the Father in heaven, it's all in our head and not in our heart. Make sense? So what will you do? What will you do? And this morning I thought, that's a pretty um, pretty heavy thing to end on, really. Like It's quite a heavy verse for us, but let's not leave it out because it might be a bit heavy, you know? What will we do? Do we want to go from passenger to participant? And I really felt um, what I want to do this morning with the time they've got left is I'm just going to get Bex to keep playing but I actually want to give you five minutes with God to actually respond to this today. I want you to actually ask him, how do you want to take me? How do you want me to participate? Like, let's not be passengers in this life with God because he created each of us for a purpose. He's got He's got a purpose for each of us. He's got tasks for each of us. He's got a calling for each of us. For some of us, it's, it's full-time ministry. For the majority of you, you're out in the workplace. How do you, how do you apply this to your jobs? How do you participate as disciples of God? How do you participate in His mission out there? In your neighborhoods, in your families? What's God asking of you this morning? So I want to give you that moment to actually be brave and ask God that question to show you how He's wanting you to participate. If you're anything like me, I, I tend to find that and I'll do it and I, won't, I, I, I get comfortable in that. But I think it's really good for us every now and again, every now and again, to stop and ask God, "Am I 
Am I on track? Am I walking in your will? Am I doing what you're wanting me to do? Because God's all about growing us. So it doesn't look the same from year to year to year. And you just keep doing the same and be this comfortable little Christian. So take that moment this morning and bravely open up your heart. Ask Him to show you. One of the questions that um, was asked in here is, are you intentional about developing your spiritual habits? We talked about the discipline of our habits and wonder if you can ask yourself, what's one, what's one thing that you could be intentional about? What's one spiritual habit that you could be intentional about this week? Sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming to go away and think, oh, I've got so much I'm going to think about, but what's one thing that you can go away this week and alter it's one spiritual habit you can develop because every one thing that we grow in is that that step forward isn't it it's that step closer to God it's that, that one more step from passenger to participant so ask yourself that question what's one spiritual habit that I want to work on this week